where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome back to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm James. And I am John. Today we're looking at the episode Love Thy Neighbour. Nice poetic title, is it not? Yeah, I mean, uh, is it poetic or religious? Why not both? (laughs) There we go. That's how we're going to start this episode. Just indecisiveness all the way through. I think it's fitting with the theme of the episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what they thought of when they wrote it. This episode aired on the 21st of November, 1985. It's the eighth episode of season four, directed by James Burroughs and written by David Angel. And it's a good one. I mean, it's a little bit of a weird one, but overall I'd say it's a good one. Yeah, I got a strange sense of deja vu with this episode because I feel we've seen a similar plotline before. I think we saw a similar one with Norman's Conquest. Not exactly the same, but similar. They're like spiritual sequel, perhaps. Sets up perfectly to say this is a norm-centered episode, which historically have been like 50-50 best episodes in the in the season, sometimes middle region. Never bad. No, I, I agree. Before we delve into the main plot, although we have teased it a little bit there, if you've been paying attention over the last four seasons thus far, let's talk about the cold open. And again, this is a really good cold open. You get to see Cliff sitting alone in the bar, and and some new regulars, well, we presume regulars come in. They've got a tap, James. Yeah, so I would assume regulars, or Woody's very trusting. Why not both? Um, (laughs) They're these two, what would you say, large men? Burly. Burly, yes, I think that's correct. They're these two large burly men, and they're settling up their tab. Uh, Yep, you two gentlemen had four peach daiquiris and three cream de menthe frappes. Something funny, lipstick. <laughs> uh, in the paper this morning, yeah, it seems that old uh, Serge got tricked by uh, Beetle Bailey again. Beetle put some itching powder in his shorts. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, we thought that maybe you was laughing at our drink order. Oh, but... Oh, on the contrary. Oh, no, no. Woody, uh, let me have another mocha froth, will you? And keep them coming. As usual, Cliff's big mouth has got him in trouble again. Always does. And it's a little bit sort of reminiscent of Cliff's Rocky moment. Yes, I think so. A little bit like that. He's picking fights in the wrong places. But for me, I thought he was laughing at Woody for mixing up the drinks. Ah, See, then you would have got beaten up if you said, oh, it's the silly bartender thinking those were your drinks. Those are our drinks. Got a problem with that, John? Let's take this outside. I don't think they do take it outside. Cliff has a nervous laugh. Just to go, no, no, I'm one of you guys. With that in mind, a nice cold drink makes us keep awake a bit longer. You know, we can maybe watch TV or something. Then let's delve into the rest of the episode. Oh, okay. I don't know where you're going with that. <laughs> yeah, let's step into the, the main part of this episode. Which, as we've alluded to before, it's norm-centred. And Norm's been going out dancing. Yeah. Doesn't strike me as a dancer, does Norm. Wrestler, yes. It's because he's not a dancer. This is where we find out that Norm's watching his wife dance with other men. Not in a creepy way. He's not spying on her. They're just going to a dance hall and Norm doesn't dance, so she dances with other people. He needs to get up and dance more. What would you call his dance name? Stormin' Norman? No, I don't know, James. Norm of the Dance? What's that mean? He is the gnome of the dance, said he. What's, I can't remember what the no- real song is. <laughs> it's uh, Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's going to do any uh, 
any river dance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that happening anytime soon. But this is where the name of the episode comes in. Because Vera's been dancing with their neighbour called... Mr. Henshaw. Yeah, the Henshaws. Phyllis and Ron Henshaw. Typical Ron. Kind of here, taking an invisible woman. <laughs> but when uh, Cliff says this to the people in the bar, they're all a bit apprehensive. And Norm's like, no way. And then Phyllis Henshaw comes in and says, Norm, think they're having an affair. Tell you what, that's quite the bombshell quite early on in the episode. Yeah, it is a bit. And, and it kind of derails from there. And chaos ensues. And of course, the rest of the bar listen into the whole thing. That must have been David Angel's pitch, wasn't it? Vera might be having an affair. Chaos ensues. That's the synopsis. This leads to the hiring of a private detective who, I gotta admit, who is a cool character. Santo. He's Carla's cousin. Yeah, he is. We're seeing lots of the Tortelli family. Although I suppose he's, he's not called Tortelli. No, he's called Santo Cabone. What a name. Pretty cool name. I believe this is a good time to go through the cast. Yeah. We've got Fred Dreyer as the voice of Dave Richards, though he is credited as John F. Dreyer. This is, of course, a recurring cast member, I'd say. He's been in a few episodes. And we'll delve into his storyline through the rest of the episode. Miriam Flynn as Phyllis Henshaw. She also appeared in Dear John, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Doogie Howser MD, The Nanny, Third Rock from the Sun, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Deep Space Nine, Malcolm in the Middle, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, as well as providing voices in The New Yogi Bear Show, DuckTales, Tasmania, The Tick, The Spooktacular New Adventures of Casper, The Land Before Time, and many more. That's quite a good sort of repertoire. It is, isn't it? We have Ernie Sabella as Santo Carboni. He previously appeared as Stan in Season 3, Episode 13, Who Done It? Uh, and that's why we talked about his role as Pumba. And he made a bigger impact in this episode. Yes, though you may not have recognised him because as they pointed out in this episode, Love Thy Neighbour, he is a master of disguise. He's probably been in uh, like all of these episodes, James. Yeah, according to Carla, he could disguise himself as a bar stool. So, you know, Norm could have been sitting on him all this time. We have Carolyn Ann Clark as woman. She also appeared in Hunter, As the World Turns, and Beverly Hills 90210, to name just a few. We have Richard Young as Frank. He also appeared in Flamingo Road, Knight Rider, Hunter, Indiana Jones on the Last Crusade, and Murder, She Wrote. Again, to name a few. Frank Sineski as Jack. He also appeared as Russian number one in Hunter. Now, we've got a couple of people who made appearances in Hunter, which is interesting because of uh, Fred Dreyer being the main character in said show. We also have some uncredited roles. We have Ken Dumaine as Customer, Al Rosen as Al, Don Terwilliger as Customer. This is his last episode, Don Terwilliger. This is his last episode in Cheers and his last film and TV role and the fourth he had appeared in. But in all four of them, he was uncredited, which is a shame. I would have liked to have Don as one of the barflies. We don't have a Don yet. You mentioned that Fred Dreyer's back in this episode as uh, Dave Richards, which means that it's likely Sam's got another interview lined up. But like you said, this time it's over the phone. And that's kind of the B-plot of this episode. Yeah. And Sam, would you say embarrasses Diane? He takes Q&As from the audience or the listeners on the radio. I mean, I guess something that didn't really get mentioned again was nobody called in. Woody called in to ask where the olives are or something. <laughs> but besides from that, so that's got to hurt the old ego. The thing that Diane took offence to was Sam sort of lumped her in with all of his other exes. Yes, he described someone who was reading a book at a ball game or some sports 
game. They were like, <laughs> who reads a book at a sports game where there's so many exciting sports going on? And that's why they were all mocking Diane. So Diane takes offence to this. Sam offers that he can apologise and all this kind of stuff. And he ends up back on the radio with a, like a, a very scripted apology, I think. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, a week ago on this programme, I, Sam Malone, committed a faux pas of the highest magnitude. I insensitively included a wonderful woman in a category in which she certainly did not merit inclusion. I apologize to her and indeed to women everywhere, both living and dead, whose sensibilities may have been offended. It's clear that these two are still... I think what you're trying to say, James, is will they, won't they? Will they, won't they, but also they're still upset with each other to some extent. Not all has been forgiven. Old wounds. There's a bit of salt in the old wounds. Yeah, that's it. Which brings us back into sort of the main part of this episode. Norm and Phyllis's suspicions of their spouses. And they do hire the private detective. And they get some uh, results, James. But before they do... Ooh. At this point, they heavily suspect that their partners are having an affair. Because after he calls Vera just to tell her he loves her, he hears Johnny Mathis playing in the background. Now, the Petersons don't have a Johnny Mathis album, but the Henshaws do, and Vaughn isn't home. Even reading that sentence, I was like, these words have no meaning to anyone who's not seen this specific episode of Jim. They contacted Santo, and he basically said, you know, I've seen it a thousand times. Are you sure you want me to investigate? Because I'm pretty certain you'll get what you think you're going to find. Yeah, most of the time, it ends badly. In their heads, they're thinking, bad news is coming. Stanto's coming back to the bar to tell them that what he's found out. In the haste, they start, wow. They start kissing, don't they? Yeah, the norms never learn a thing. He's talking all the way through the episode how much he loves his wife. And then goes and, and kisses the neighbour. I think it was all a ploy by Phyllis. I think she was like, hey, hey Vera, here's a Johnny Mathis album. I don't know who it's from. Just, uh, here you go. Did seem a bit a bit suspicious, didn't it? This Phyllis, she's up to something, Norm. After their kiss and uh, after Santo reveals the truth and Vera and Ron were considering having an affair, which isn't much better. And then they were like, actually, Ron, no, let's not have an affair. Too much effort is what it sounded like. Doesn't she compare Norm to Dawn of the Dead? Yes. Um, in terms of his sexual prowess, I believe the exact line is he's more Dawn of the Dead than Don Juan. And it turns out Phyllis goes like, but Norm, didn't you feel something? I felt something, Norm. And I'm like, Phyllis, calm down. And Norm's going, no, no, I didn't feel anything, Phyllis. Of course not. And I thought this was quite nice, considering the one time we have heard Vera, she was played by Wentz's real life wife. So I thought that was quite nice. And as Phyllis leaves, she calls Norm a hunk. Which leads to the end of the episode. All the redeeming factors that may have played out in the last few minutes kind of get trampled over, which happens a lot in episodes. Norm Peterson, the indelible hunk. Oh, you say that. As soon as this leaves, another woman comes in who's much younger. And Norm was like, hi there. She tells Norm to get lost. So whatever word you were saying, sounds like you can get rid of him. <laughs> Just have to believe in yourself. Quite a strange ending. What drinks are mentioned in the cold open? Four peach daiquiris, three creme de menthe frappes. Is that right? And a mocha froth. Of course, I forgot the mocha froth. That was uh, Cliff's drink, I believe. Mm. 
Doesn't sound like a bad order. If it's all for one person, it's a lot, but I could take it. This is the order you want to make. How much do the four peach daiquiris and the creme de menthe frappe, how much did that cost you? How much was on the tab? $24.95. Which is not bad. I was pretty close. I mean, they would have got annoyed if I paid $24.95 and it was more, but I was pretty close. As pointed out in this episode, Diane was reading a book at a sports game, but as usual, Diane is sitting at the bar instead of working, and she's reading a book. But what book is she reading? Maybe something to do with baseball. Just just for like a, a flip on it. It's not a baseball book. I have no idea what the book is. It's Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. Oh, I should have known. That famous baseball player, Anna Karenina. In this episode, Santo says, uh, you don't know what you're letting yourself in for here. A lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of misery. How does Carla quip off this? Great sales pitch or something like that? No, that's what Norm says. She says, and that's just when you see the bill. And that's when uh, Santo lets us know that Carla's his cousin. Otherwise, Carla would just be criticizing customers that she didn't know. And that doesn't sound like Carla. She does it all the time. <laughs> Woody calls the radio to request a song to dedicate to his girlfriend, Beth. But what song does he request? Roxanne. Correct. Which is wrong for two reasons. I mean, you were correct in the question, but asking Roxanne to be played for your girlfriend Beth is wrong in two reasons. One, there is a song called Beth. Two, Roxanne is about a prostitute. I was thinking of you, Beth. Here's a song. I feel like there must be more reasons than that. But I tell you what we'll do, James. We'll pop it on our playlist on Spotify. Everyone that can have, give it a listen and see how many more reasons why you shouldn't dedicate that song to someone. And what's that playlist called again, James? It's called Play It Again, Sam, the Definitive Cheers playlist. It has over 100 songs and over six hours worth of music, which was either in Cheers, inspired by Cheers, or songs which could fit in well with Cheers. That's the last call, James. I tell you what, I think I know what we're going to be ordering. Is it four peach daiquiris? Yep. And three creme de menthe frappes. A nice refreshing beverage for the nice warm weather that you're all experiencing in this (laughs) mid-October. A drink for any weather. I'm going to forget most of the episode. I'm just going to toast to Santa. He was the the standout of this episode. Not sure if you want to toast to anything. No, I think I think that's it. I think Santo was the standout in this episode. It's nice to see Ernie Sabella back again and us know the truth about him this time. I hope to rewatch all of it again and, and keep an eye out for the bar stools which he might be hiding in. Even your Santo, you just don't know it yet. And on that note, James, a cheers to Santo, a cheers to detectives, and a cheers to the truth. Thank you for listening to When Nobody Knows Your Name, a cheers podcast.